They are just doing great, aren't they? We're going to uh, hear a little bit more from them in a moment, and uh, we'll round off with a really big uh, round of applause for them. Uh, listening to the songs and thinking about the, the songs that they were going to be singing tonight, a couple of thoughts rolled round in my head, the first of which was triggered by that last song, which had in it the idea of, of Mary uh, kissing the face of her little baby. And that got me to thinking just how important faces are to us. You stop and thought about that? Uh, they tell us, apparently, the psychologists, that faces are pretty much the first thing that a baby comes to be able to see. They pluck out the eyes with their eyes, because that's pretty important to them, isn't it? To be able to fix the eyes of your mother, grab her attention. What could be more important for a baby uh, than that? Uh, but from then on, faces just remain amazingly important to us. Uh, just think of the way that our language uh, uses uh, faces to describe so many things. When someone feels joy, we say their face lights up. With sadness, their face falls. We can have a long face or a red face. We keep a straight face and put on a brave face. Embarrassed, we have egg on our face. Feel insulted, it's a slap in the face. Do something clever and you're more than a pretty face. We save face and lose face. Face the facts and face the music. Sometimes we face people down. We might even tell them that their face doesn't fit. Do badly and someone might laugh in your face. We can be two-faced or po-faced, even have something written all over our face. If a relationship goes badly, then people can't look us in the face and finally might even slam the door in our face. Faces matter to us. Through our faces, we communicate our feelings. And with our faces, we do our most important relationships. Nothing more intimate than a face-to-face -face encounter. And maybe that is why, in the pages of the Bible, face language is so often used to describe what is most important. And face language is used to describe God's blessing to us. Uh, there's a famous Old Testament blessing uh, uh, from uh, uh, Numbers, uh, which describes uh, God's blessing in this way. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Nothing more wonderful, more glorious in biblical thinking than to find favor in the face of God. But there are also hints in the Bible that sometimes finding God's face can be more difficult. A number of places in the Psalms, the Old Testament hymn book, uh, where the psalmist is pleading to rediscover God's face. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? But according to the Bible, God's face is not only sometimes elusive, but God's face can even be dangerous. Now, there's a point when Moses asks to see God's face. But God warns his servant, saying, You cannot see my face. 
therefore no one may see me and live. So faces, surprisingly important in Bible thinking. That was the first thing that these songs brought to mind, the idea of face. But the second thing was story. In all sorts of ways, the songs we've heard this evening are telling a story, telling the Christmas story. But in, in many ways, lots of our songs do that. And I found myself thinking that actually the music that I love most, the songs that I love most, are those that tell a story. Uh, just at the minute, I'm getting into Hamilton the Musical. I don't know if anyone's had the chance to see it yet, but uh, uh, my family and I, we got tickets over Christmas, so I'm trying to get into the music. Uh, first time I listened to it, I thought, oh, don't know about this. And then the more I've listened to it, the better and better it's got, as I've learned the story, got to understand the characters, uh, heard what's being told. Uh, maybe you can think of songs that you love because they tell a story. Elton John's Candle in the Wind tells the story of Marilyn Monroe, then got picked up and borrowed for Princess Diana. So many songs that tell stories. Lying Eyes by the Eagles, remember that one? Uh, Or You're So Vain by Carly Simon. Or how about A Boy Named Sue by Johnny Cash? Country classic. Glad some of you remember that one. For the more up-to-date, we could go for Photograph by Nickelback, Seven Years by Lucas Graham or Eminem Stan, as if I know any of those. <laughs> but my very favourite is probably one that nobody here knows, although somebody, uh, somebody did tell me that they did remember it. It's by a band called Paper Lace. Anyone remember Paper Lace? They're, they're going a long way, but some of people do. Um, and they had a one-hit wonder uh, called Billy Don't Be a Hero. And I'm such a sad man that I know all the lyrics to the entire song. And I could sing it to you now, but decency prevents me. (laughs) But it got me thinking about heroes. Uh, Billy, don't be a hero. And and so many of our great stories concern heroes. In fact, uh, there's a writer, a literary critic, who says that he reckons that the, the hero's journey is the story under all stories. He wrote a book called The Hero with a Thousand Faces, uh, which uh, set out the structure of this journey. A a hero gets called out of ordinary life and at first resists the call, but eventually is persuaded and goes. And they enter into some alien, strange, sometimes supernatural realm where great challenges await them. And they battle and wrestle and eventually overcome. And in their great victory become the means of blessing and they return to their homeland to dispense that blessing uh, to their fellow people. The hero's journey. Uh, You can think about it and you see that it is everywhere. From Luke Skywalker in Star Wars to Neo in The Matrix, Frodo in Lord of the Rings, Dorothy in Wizard of Oz, Katniss Everdeen in Hunger Games, and who could forget our very own Harry Potter. It's all over the place. Moby Dick, Watership Down, Beowulf. You you find it just dotted. Some people call it the monomyth because they reckon it is that the mythical structure that is sat behind every single one of our great myths, every single one of our greatest stories. 
And you know where I'm going, don't you? You got there ahead of me. You can see that I'm on my way to tell you that the Christmas story is the story behind all of these stories, the greatest of all the great hero's journeys. But actually, I'm not going there because the Christmas story doesn't fit the structure. No, no, the Christmas story is not a hero's journey as described here. It's actually just the opposite. It's all the other way round. Because instead of being a tale of someone who's taken out of the ordinary and popped into a supernatural realm, the Christmas story is about one who is taken from the supernatural, from the heavenly realms, and placed into ordinariness. The Christmas story doesn't describe someone who leaves uh, behind their, uh, who, doesn't, who doesn't discover power, but leaves behind their power. Not somebody who encounters glory and becomes glorious, but someone who leaves glory to enter the humility of a stable and a manger. Uh, listen to this reflection from one of the New Testament letters. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. I want to hear more on that passage, then come next Sunday morning when Andrew Fellows will give it the time that it deserves. For tonight, would you just notice that the Christmas story isn't about the rise of a hero. No, bizarrely, the Christmas story is about the descent of a hero. Not about someone who discovers their true self, but someone who chooses to reveal themselves to the world. The greatness of Christ found in his humility, in his readiness to set aside the glories of heaven and take on the ordinariness of our world instead. But why? Why would such a thing happen? Well, the answer's found back where we began with Mary and a little baby. Because here are the words from that last song. I don't know if you caught them as we went through. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod and that when you kiss your little baby you kiss the face of God that's the outrage that's the scandal of the Christmas story that in Christ God came down the one who'd made everything entered into the very world that he'd made think what that means it means that he'd even created the mother who gave him birth. 
God himself became eight pounds of human flesh. And he did it so that we might see his face. So that the face of God would be elusive no longer. Threatening no longer. The face of God no longer distant, but brought near in Christ. Here's how the Bible puts it. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. It is as if that first Christmas, a face appears at the window of our world. Actually, no, it's it's more than that, isn't it? It's that a face comes knocking at the door of our lives. And the question is, how do we respond? Will we turn our face away from his? Will we not give his face so much as a second look? Or will we face this head on? Face up to the reality of his claims. Dare even to spend some face-to-face time with this Jesus. How could you do that? Well, uh, we'd love you to come to other things over Christmas if you'd like to. And downstairs you'll find a, a card that tells you all about the other Christmas services that we're doing. Or well, take more time and uh, read the rest of the account that we began. We've just looked at a couple of extracts from Luke's account of Jesus' life. Uh, uh, pick up one of these and you could read some more. Or a little leaflet downstairs. Uh, which explains more than I can in a few moments about this Christmas message. But whatever you do this Christmas, don't miss it. Because let's face it, if something this good really is staring us in the face and we about-faced and walk past, well, then we really would have egg on our faces as a result. We're going to close by getting the band uh, to play for us one last time and then we get a chance to join in with the final carol.